And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and I'm getting cosy in the Old Trafford press box here with Laurie Whitwell. We're sharing a microphone and a set of headphones, insert romantic music, reflecting on Manchester United's draw with Chelsea. We're also joined on the line from Barca by Andy Mitten as well. Coming up, we'll discuss the game here tonight and also, of course, the other bits and bobs on the futures of both the interim manager Ralph Rangnick and also fullback Aaron Wambasaka who missed the game and could Calvin Phillips also be doing an Alan Smith? Hmm. We'll get the latest on that as well. But first, let's talk about tonight. Then, Laurie, like me, you're here. Uh, we're doing that thing again where we're running the risk of getting thrown out sometime soon and there's lots <laughs> of people collecting litter. But what did you make of the action on the pitch? Yeah, well, I uh, tweeted at half-time that United will be frustrated that the whistle went uh, to stop their momentum that was building fantastically uh, and I was doing my best Andy Mitten impression. Uh, a few people got the sarcasm, uh, some, <laughs> some others didn't, um, but yeah, it was a pretty dreadful first half, wasn't it, where, I mean, Chelsea just attacked at will, United were anemic. Um, at least the second half, they showed a bit of bit of spirit, didn't they? Um, yeah. Obviously went 1-0 down, but then straight away responded. Fantastic goal, um, Matic again assisting Ronaldo, um, sort of a little bit of an Indian summer for those two, I suppose. Um, at the end of this season but um, overall Chelsea were much the superior side um, and, and just really it's, this, it's a example of where United are at really in terms of you know, bringing on Phil Jones and Juan Mata um, I didn't get that I think Ralph Randick afterwards said basically the game was still in the balance and you know still didn't want to you know, go and lose the game. I still don't uh, get it. Yeah, I, I, I can see it from both sides, to be totally honest, just because I think the way the game was going, United were getting overrun anyway. So if you put a youngster in just to give him a chance, there's not a, he's, he's got as much chance of, of drowning in that as, as, as thriving. I mean, Garnacho went on for the sort of last five minutes, didn't he? And I don't think he actually touched the ball in the end, but he, you know, he, he sprinted into spaces for a couple of attacks. Um, so at least there was that moment. And there was a really nice um, touch, actually, at the end of the game. Andy, you'll be pleased to hear this, that Alejandro Garnacho's mother was in the stands uh, with the family, a couple of lads with Garnacho 75 shirts on the backs, and they were taking like a little picture as a memento at the end of the game, went and got a, sort of uh, applause, I suppose, or a congratulations, rather, from Harry Maguire and Richard Arnold and John Murta. And she did have two magazines in her oh, hand. Oh, Oh. They were Manchester United matchday programmes, oh. I'm afraid to say, Andy. So she must have already read United We Stand from cover to cover. She's an electronic subscriber, isn't she, Andy? No, she bought the printed edition at, at Arsenal at the weekend. I was trying to save you, sorry. She uh, she's, she's read it cover to cover. I would expect her to get in touch any day soon just to give us feedback on, on the latest issue and, and inquire about a subscription. Um, I think you, you summed it up well tonight, uh, Laurie. I, I feel disappointed. Um, I thought Chelsea were, were much better than United. There was a little bit of fight and resilience in the second half from Manchester United. But two wins from 11 matches. No one scoring any goals apart from Cristiano Ronaldo. Mutiny in the air once again. Uh, fans have planned a, a, a protest 
it was a significant one again outside the ground. There were banners in the Stratford end saying uh, Glazers out. I think if United wouldn't have scored when the team did score, the the the, the mood was really starting to get angry um, yeah. a, a, among the fans. But United did. It was a brilliant goal. It was a brilliant pass from Nemanja Matic to Cristiano Ronaldo. But look at the league table. United are 25 points behind City. You've got two games in hand. 11 points behind Chelsea. And I don't want this to become a moan fest again because people are just going to switch off and just think, oh no, not again. Uh, Chelsea are a very good team. Their performance in Madrid a couple of weeks ago was one of the best I've seen from an English team in the Bernabeu. Absolutely fantastic. They've got young players. They attacked in waves. I think they had 21 shots on to United 6. United had 35% possession. So it really is damning against Manchester United. But I can't say we're surprised. Part The only surprise is that United didn't lose the match. Given what happened against Arsenal. Given what happened against uh, Liverpool. United are drawing a few too many or losing too many as well, obviously. So I just can't wait for this season to end. The, 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 the positives are so few. And if we're going to pick on them, you mentioned Garnacho, great. Hopefully he'll get some proper minutes. Uh, Ronaldo's statistics are incredible. And uh, we're starting to scrape the barrel beyond that. Yeah, Ronaldo's doing it again, isn't he? He scored eight of the last nine goals for Manchester United. The other one was scored by Fred when Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't even playing. Only Mohamed Salah now has scored more goals in the Premier League. I mean, I know we've talked about him a lot, and in particular in recent weeks, there's not been much to hang on to, Laurie, but even his all-round game tonight actually looked the part. It wasn't just about the goal, was it? That was something Ralph Rangnick touched on afterwards. Um, I mean, there's one bit where he's in the left-back spot, isn't it? I mean, Chelsea down that right were just constantly getting in. You know, they had Mason Mount down that side. Reese James was, was fantastic. And, you know, United were getting swarmed, really. And Ronaldo <laughs> dropped back to, to, to a bit of defensive duties. Um, I mean, he had the two shots that United had on target. You know, the goal, obviously, and then the one sort of snapshot uh, after that, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, without him scoring these goals right now United would be nowhere wouldn't they they'd be even yeah. more hopeless I mean Ralph Rennick even said though that even with him staying you know there's, perhaps there's a debate over is he definitely definitely going to stay or, or would he look at his options you know United need two strikers anyway so you know it's in the summer transfer window so it's it's a real area where they're going to have to do some proper work um, and, and, and address it because you know to have somebody scoring that many goals in your team is obviously a positive in one sense but you can't be relying can you on a 37 year old at this stage no and he also almost single-handedly ensured that Manchester United still have a chance of equaling their worst ever points tally <laughs> in the history of the Premier what League a as well Andy yeah I mean if they win the last three games they equal the worst tally under David Moyes back well David Moyes didn't even finish that season to complete that tally did he Andy I mean that is a measure really of how disappointing this campaign has been really a stat like that just underlines it doesn't it really yeah I was trying to think earlier this is the worst season since when and I, I got back to 88-89 because in, at least in 89-90 Manchester United did win the FA Cup. There was hope that season and at the moment the, I think there's just very little hope for this season. Obviously United went out of the Cup competitions. Can you recall a worst season? I can remember um, 04-05 being pretty bleak but United finished third that year and it was bleak because there was a Glazer takeover that had gone through. United did actually reach the cup final and play really well, but lost against uh, an Arsenal team. 
uh, I was just looking back for all the different seasons and using a variety of, of, of um, not, not just league finishes. And you have to go back a long, long way for it to feel so bad to me. I think you're right in the, the start of this game when there were so many empty seats. I know it's part of the protest, but you looked around. It sort of reminded me a little bit of the Burnley game, you know, in January 2020, where it felt mutinous. They lost 2 0 and ended up, that sort of forced the hand and they, they signed Bruno Fernandes. But it felt that there was just apathy, you know, there was anger. And you touched on the Glazer uh, sort of chance. That was a consistent theme throughout, particularly the first half. Yes, it was. Wasn't Stand it? up if you hate Glazers was three times. And, you know, and by the third time, it perhaps didn't get quite the. The reaction with the first two, but but the first one was literally, you know, pretty much everyone in the stadium I could see. Um, so Rangnick didn't stand up. <laughs> true. Well, was he not already by the, stood up by the touchline? Maybe. Line? He does, clap, does he? Does, he <laughs> does, that, does that count? Um, so, but that's yeah, so that's the kind of image that you think of as this is a low, really low moment. What what is worse than that? Um, yeah. Do you I'm know what it's for me, it's a sense of drift. I think I've used that word before uh, on the podcast a few times, but the last few weeks have just drifted. The games have drifted. The halves of football have drifted. My mind's drifted. Yeah, that's it's a- just really <laughs> felt like that, hasn't it? Especially being at the games as well. I don't know if people at home feel the same, but that sense of purpose and direction has just been lost, really. Rangnick said it a few times now, but he, he sort of felt that the energy was sucked out of this side when they were knocked out of the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, and really it has probably felt like a drift since then. At the end of this game, you had the players on the pitch and it was, you know, I guess, refreshing in a way that they didn't just all sort of go off, but they were kind of sort of walking around not really knowing what to do. Do I applaud? Yeah, it was like, what well, is this? I mean, it's a penultimate game, penultimate home game of the season. Yeah. It's Brentford's going to be a really weird atmosphere, isn't it? Like, what's what's going to happen there? I mean, is there going to be a lap of honour? You know, you can't really. <laughs> I get pelted on the way around, you know, like... Yeah, because actually when, when David Moyes' season finished, obviously Ryan Giggs was in... Uh, caretaker charge at that point but it was sort of overshadowed by some of the figures who were leaving the club at the time I remember that final game the, the mood had changed anyway because Moyes had gone and Giggs had come in but the, the, the opportunity to say farewell to Nemanja Vidic sort of overshadowed everything mm. else um, Did Rio Ferdinand go that season? I think well yeah and, and Everett didn't he but I don't know if everyone got a farewell at mm. the end because it wasn't all conferred by that match but yeah there was, there was sort of things to occupy the mind whereas it doesn't feel like there necessarily is this time Although, of course, in that match against Brentford on Monday, it could be the final home game for quite a few players, actually, couldn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, you'd say so. Yeah, I mean, you've got Matic, you know, clearly one of them. Mata, um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, Edison Cavani might be back. <laughs> he's he's going to have a weird reception, I think. Um, I mean, the, 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 Forgotten the, what it looks like. <laughs> well, I mean, Ralph Randwick said again, you know, he's supposed to be training tomorrow, aka Friday, but it very much is putting the ball in his court, so it doesn't seem like he's harbouring a great hope to, to you know, rely on him. Um, but there is this debate, isn't there? I don't know what you think of this, Andy, where, it, particularly in the Q&A on, on the um, Athletic uh, website, you know, you've got fans saying, just put the kids in. I don't get it why you know you, you're putting on Mata and Jones. You know, what do you think? I mean, would you just play the kids now? Garnacho, Hannibal, Shola Shoratia was on the bench. Alvaro Fernandez was on the bench for the first time in his Manchester United career. I get the emotional uh, reaction to, to that question. Put the kids in. They, they can't be any worse than than these wasters, etc., etc. Actually, they could be a lot, lot worse. United could lose nine or ten nil to a Chelsea team as good as that if you put a team of kids in. I think the a balance is the right thing to do. Maybe bring two or three of them in. 
Um, these are players who are likely to go on loan before they come back and have a go at establishing themselves in Manchester United's first team. There's still a significant way for them to go with their development. Um, you might get that sort of Rashford effect when he when he came in as a one-off, but I think as we're seeing with Anthony Alanga, it's really difficult to to do well consistently in what is a really struggling team. And that's what makes Ronaldo's statistics even more impressive. This is a really bad Manchester United team that is scoring all of these goals in. So I would have loved to have seen Garnacho get more than two minutes. I'm told that he's training really well. I definitely think there's a case for bringing two or three of these players in. Uh, Brentford, as you say, is just going to feel like an absolute nothing match. The only surprise is that the, the ground is still full. If I go back to the 89 season, the crowds at the end of it, they dropped away 26,000 against Everton at Old Trafford, 23,000 against Wimbledon at Old Trafford. There'll be more than that at the FA Youth Cup final in, in May. It could be, couldn't they? Well, yeah. there's, there's 35,000 tickets sold May the 11th for this FA Youth Cup final. Oh, really? Which, Already? Which, yeah, which Garnacho will be you know, starting it in. So it's kind of funny that at least he's got a, a, a taste of an, a full Old Trafford. But yeah, 35,000, possibly even more by the time the match comes round. It just shows how big that the support is. At the start of the game, as you both mentioned, there were some empty seats, but it filled up. There was still over 70,000 people inside Old Trafford. The, the support is massive. It's grown so much. And I think there's a strong bedrock there. And I also think season tickets will sell out again for next season because Eric Ten Hag will come in. We're all suckers for this, you know, believing that there's going to be a brighter future all the time. I tweeted before the match tonight, no matter how bad United are, I still look forward to games. And I do, I can't help it. That's just my reaction. And then after the match, speaking to you now, it's one of disappointment. So I don't know whether I need to see like a shrink because there's some sort of addiction uh, going on here. Do you need us to confirm that you've got an addiction to Manchester United, Andy, after after all the work and all these years? Well, yeah. I, I, How I, many countries have you followed In, in my defence, I do try and have a balanced life as well and go and watch other football I, I matches. Believe, but yeah, I, I, don't I, I, I am cornered here. I'm, I'm going to struggle to defend that, aren't I? I think you are, yeah. Uh, just talking about some of the players um, who are out of contract, really, and... Particularly, you know, the, with the subs tonight as well. One matter, one of the players brought on. He'd not kicked a ball in the Premier League, had he, until a couple of weeks ago, and now he seems to be the go-to option. Mainly because United have got, I think, nine first-team players missing at the moment. Um, but I interviewed Matter after the game, and he said that he said, "If I'm honest, I don't know what my future is yet," which is usually a sign that maybe. Uh, his time at Old Trafford is coming to an end because perhaps if he was hanging around, he would know by now. But he said that it's hurt not playing as much as he expected this season. It sounded like he'd been given some sort of assurance or sign that he would play more football this year, and that's just not happened. Juan Mata is disappointed, and I say that with certainty, about the lack of opportunities that he has had. He feels, and other people will vouch for him, that he's been training well. You mentioned it was uh, it, it came on in addition to a recent substitution appearance. In both of those games, I thought he did really well, finding spaces. Goodison Park, I think, was his first minutes in the Premier League. And Norwich, he he um he came on against, and I thought he did well. I thought I thought he made a difference when he came on against Chelsea tonight at Old Trafford. He's thirty four today. He he isn't thirty seven. There's still football in him, and I do think he'll leave. And I do think. He will continue at a reasonably high level. I'm not saying he's going to go back to Chelsea or Manchester City, but I still think there's a lot of football in him because he's hardly a player who relies on 
physical speed it's more speed of thought and finding the spaces so he said he thinks he still belongs at this level that he can still do a job at this level if he was playing consistently well you don't you don't he, he does think that anyway. you don't want him to say you know i'm probably ready to play for hartlepool now if he doesn't believe in himself then no one's gonna <laughs> gonna believe in himself but i i said a couple of times on the on the pod he played a behind closed doors game against stoke city and I spoke to someone from the Stoke side. He said he was by a distance the best player on the pitch. He's still got something. Um, for Manchester United, he's, he's been... I think there's a lot of sadness, actually, because one thing David De Gea always tells him is, you won't believe what it's like when we win the league here. And Juan clung to this hope of going down Dean's Gate with fans hanging off the scaffolding, of being a champion with Manchester United. And... It's just hap- just not happened. It's not even come close to happening. So there's a lot of sadness. But I think he's a great human, first and foremost. I think he's had a very good career, including at Chelsea. He's been a European champion uh, with Chelsea. Very good with Valencia. He'll go with best wishes. But he's not Manchester United's future. And nor are the six or seven other players who are likely to leave either. I didn't have time in the end, but I wanted to ask him about Alejandro Garnacho and what he'd seen in training and stuff. And I was trying to find some sort of stat that would put into context how much older Juan Mata was than Garnacho. Double his age. Just to maybe like lighten the mood a little bit. Um, it didn't really work, but in the end, I found out that Garnacho was born three days before Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal were beaten in the final of Euro 2004 against Greece. Good stat. It made me feel old, that. Let that alone is. Juan Mata. He was young there, the one who Ronaldo. Well, yeah, but still. We'll we'll, we'll cling to that. Yeah, I think so. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, Laurie, you wrote about it earlier on in the evening. Ralph Rangnick being lined up to take over as the Austria international manager. Um, once his time as interim boss here at United has come to an end. Sounds like he's going to combine it with this consultancy role that he confirmed also tonight that he is going to be doing, it seems. I didn't know that we needed it confirming, but he did. Well, it's been up in the air, hasn't it? In terms of, he's sort of said previously he hasn't had proper talks about what it will entail, his brief, his his remit. Um, so that was new, that was fresh, that he said, I've had talks with the board as to how it will be constructed and I can now guarantee that I will be here for the next two years in this consultancy role. So I'm intrigued to know exactly the details of that. We'll try and find out. Um, but yeah, the Austria stuff coming you know a couple of hours before kickoff was a curveball to say the least there were some rumors uh, a couple of weeks ago that clearly had substance to them um, that he was um, you know, in talk with Austria about taking over as manager it looks like he's going to combine it doesn't it I mean it could even ha- be announced um, 
uh, on Friday, you know, uh, tomorrow, in the next 48 hours. Uh, th- th- apparently it's not been fully agreed, but he's seriously considering it. And, and people in Austria that I've spoken to say they expect him to, um, you know, uh, sign on the dotted line. But he can do that with the consultancy. It might be a bit of an odd relationship, I suppose, um, but both jobs are kind of part-time, aren't they, really? Um, I mean, it does sort of strike me a little bit that, you know, Ralph Rannick has made a point to the players to say you need to be playing now for Eric Ten Hag. I think that's one of the last buttons he had to press, really, to kind of get a bit of authority into the situation if they're looking at him thinking, well, you're an interim. You know, I'm kind of stopping listening so much to he what you're saying. He said in programme notes that he wanted them to begin the next chapter tonight. Yeah, see, I, I kind of thought, but then you've obviously been in talks with Austria and you're kind of going a different way. There's a little bit of irony there, isn't there? But listen, you know, he's, he's, he's doing what you'd expect anyone to do if he's been approached by Austria for, for this job. So, But yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one to sort of see how it all shapes down. But yeah, it's sort of concrete news tonight in terms of him actually saying, yeah, I'm going to be a consultant at Manchester United for the next two years. The, the thing with that, Laurie, I guess, is that United fans, I don't know... It's felt a bit weird, hasn't it, of late sort of speaking to Ralph Rangnick about the future of the club in a sense because we weren't sure exactly what his role was going to be. There's still some uncertainty to exactly the details of it. But the idea that he's going to be a consultant for the club but also the Austria national team manager, does that suggest that his main focus won't be United? It's tough to say. I mean, I guess so because the Austrians will want him to be fully focused with them, won't they? Uh, I mean, can you do both? I presume you can. Oh yeah, you must be able to. Because I mean, I mean, how many international matches are there per year? You know, I mean, Austria aren't in the World Cup, are they? So there's not that. I mean, it, that's this, why he's taking over, isn't it? Because the well, previous manager he, left. He left. Yeah, yeah, got beat by Wales, didn't they? Um, which who were on a great run, by the way. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think it takes up. It's it's not like a club job at all. It's totally different. You get a lot of spare time. He'll certainly still be in touch with you know top top flight football with that job, and and then you know he can perhaps feed into United in certain ways. Um, but you know any time you ask him about the club of Manchester United, he has strong opinions. So I think that's what he he, he will feel he can offer the club. He still hasn't spoken to Eric Ten Hag um, about what he might want from him but he's spoken to the board so that, that'll be an interesting conversation when he, when he does speak to Eric Ten Hag because surely you'd think that the incoming manager would want to hear what his reflections of his, his period have been and specifically what he might you know, be able to offer him Yeah he's been particularly outspoken Andy it seems about just how many players Manchester United need to sign I think he said 10 or up to 10 after the defeat at Anfield the other week again tonight he reiterated the idea that there's a lot of work to be done on the recruitment side and highlighting that and it sounds like he's going to have some sort of role in that as well that would make sense for United to use his contact book in that sense wouldn't it? I'm not convinced he'll have a big role I think he'll have a peripheral role I think he had a peripheral role in the appointment of Ten Hag he was he was told to concentrate on managing the first team I think if results would have been much better his voice would have been much louder I think he speaks with intelligence um, and speaks about what's also good for him he's protecting himself there's a lot of self-preservation going on at Manchester United at the moment. When he calls out the players, I think a lot of fans like that. The players certainly don't like that. Results certainly haven't benefited from him uh, calling them out. And I wouldn't be surprised if he faded away and did very little in the future for Manchester United. Maybe worked with on the youth side. I know that there's a feeling that he's got some really good ideas in terms of player development from from the younger side. But 
I would not be surprised if that consultancy role just became less and less and less. And at the moment, I think United are, are nodding along and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let, let's see what happens. We're a long, long way from his first press conference when he said half in jest um, who he might anoint as his successor and United fans believed in the idea of him being this all-powering, all-influential figure at the club, coming to right all the different wrongs. And some United fans still think that is the case, uh, as evidenced when the two coaches, the two leading scouts, um, lost their jobs. People genuinely thought that Ralph Rangnick made that decision. He had absolutely no part to play in that decision. So I think this season will finish probably with a whimper and we may not see him that much in the future. OK, if you want to read more about Ralph Rangnick's impending Austrian adventure, you can have a look at Laurie's piece on The Athletic at the minute. And Laurie, you'll be also uploading your words and reflections from tonight, won't you? But by the time people are listening to this podcast on Friday, bearing in mind it's 20 past 11 on Thursday night after the game, They'll also be able to read that, won't they? What what What's it going to be about? Have you worked it out yet? It's going to be a bit of this, isn't it? A bit of the kind of idea um, that, that Ralph Rangnick's going to be, you know, Austria manager, what is left of this season? Um, you know, what, what can this, can any meaning be extracted from the rest of this season? You know, there should be some little details in there, hopefully that people won't have heard before. So, um, but I've had my cappuccino. I'm ready to, <laughs> ready to rock once I get home. Your, um, what's the brand? Melita, is it? Oh yeah, it's one of the United sponsors, isn't it? You know, yeah. top quality. Fueled by that, absolutely. Um, don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic if you've not got a subscription for just £1 a month for the first six months to enjoy Laurie's words about <laughs> things that are powered by cappuccinos. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod to sign up. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Elsewhere, the speculation has started swirling already about the players who could be leaving and arriving at Manchester United this summer. Aaron Wambasaka is the latest name to be linked with a move away from Old Trafford. There's a piece on The Athletic at the minute written by Matt Woosnam. What's the details, Laurie? Yeah, it's the fact that Crystal Palace are sort of exploring the 
possibility of, of bringing Aaron Wambasaka back to the club. Um, they obviously got 50 million in the bank from uh, Manchester United, you know, back when um, they were on the search for a right back. And what started as a pretty uh, positive relationship has, has kind of drifted into an appreciation that. Aaron Wambasaka is not the starting right back for United every week uh, in the way that a club of their aspirations should be. So uh, with Crystal Palace having Joel Ward and Nathaniel Klein, uh, there's obviously some love down at Sellers Park for Wambasaka. So looking at whether they can bring him back, I mean, it'd be interesting to know how much of the 50 million they'd be willing to commit to get him back. Um, let's see. I mean, the Wilfred Zaha made the same move, didn't he? Um, and I think United. <laughs> didn't get quite what they paid no. for him back so yeah let's see and they might be using that money to reinvest in Calvin Phillips from Leeds as well I said at the top he was doing a, an Alan Smith at, Alan Smith was leaving a relegated side for a team that was consistently winning trophies at the <laughs> highest level Calvin Phillips is making a, a different sort of switch if he if he chooses to come down the M62 and it would be a lot more febrile than the Alan Smith one, I do think, as well. I mean, Phil Hay, who wrote the piece with, um, did some really good work on the lead side of things and the suggestion that Alan Smith was actually a Liverpool fan anyway, whereas Calvin Phillips, absolutely... I've thrown you a curveball there, haven't you? Yeah, I didn't know You know, been scratching his eyes at that one. <laughs> Calvin Phillips is, and his family, you know, you speak to anybody, they're absolutely... He calls them Man U, doesn't he? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, uh, and, and they're, they're mad Leeds fans. Uh, so that that's the big one for them to get across but United have scouted him that you know they admire him he's a player that you know they could see in the position that they're clearly crying out for 50 million you know you, you sort of wonder is, is that the right mark for him but um, let, let's see you know it's, it's it's a position that for sure United are looking at in the summer yeah one to keep an eye on just quickly Andy can we preview Brentford on Monday please how much enthusiasm have you got for this football match that's going to take place at Old Trafford I actually spoke to some Brentford fans and they gave me some enthusiasm because it's going to be their first trip to Old Trafford. They're, they're really excited about it. They've had a, a, a good season. And I thought, well, at least someone's looking forward to to that game on a on a Monday night. It's, it's going to be an innocuous end uh, to the season. Manchester United are not winning. Best case scenario is that United play well, score some goals. Because we've got a break now. Because that Chelsea game's been pulled forward after the Brentford game. There's a big break until the, the Palace game, which I think is May May the 22nd. So it's going to feel really weird because other teams are going to be winning trophies, going to be in finals. There will be that Youth Cup final uh, uh, as well. But there's a little bit of an edge after the game at Brentford in January. That, of course, was, was postponed um, and, and put back. Um, their manager... Um, said words which I think were misconstrued against Manchester United but I spoke to the Brentford fans and they said he, he's really popular um, Christian Eriksen's been a success for them their season has been a real big success for them they did play a pre-season game at Old Trafford in August back in August when we were optimistic when we thought that Manchester United could do something this season and I think they showed the strength Pereira scored a worldie He'll be back soon. United will be back and, and that's the bigger pitch which I suppose we, we should be looking at. We just don't know when it'll be and there's been so many false dawns that it there's a lot of uncertainty about. 
he actually said Andres Pereira will be back. I think that was a more deflating reflection <laughs> than the Manchester United will be back. But there we are. Yeah, there we go. We've teed up that game on Monday and just sort of wet the appetite for that, I think, haven't we? We'll be back, of course, after that game against Brentford to talk about whatever happens there and look into the abyss of the end of this season as well. But for the minute, Laurie, thank you for joining us here in the press box at an empty Old Trafford. Andy, thank you for joining us on the line from sunny Spain as well, even though it's night time, so I don't know why I said that. But thank you very much for being with us at home listening to Talk of the Devils. We'll be back on Monday night. See you then. Bye-bye. The Athletic.